We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, admissible opinions brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. Thanks again for tuning in. You can tap in your app and check out the show notes to subscribe to the show. Also leave us an iTunes review or follow us on social media or do everything. We're on Twitter at the Barcelona Pod or at HiltonD13 for me because I'm Dan Hilton. He's Frances Tomas of ESPN as well as, of course, Barca Blog where you can see both of our work. And I feel like, Frances, it's been a while since it's been just the two of us. But today we've got La Grande Pagunta, La Ronda, Dan and Frances, back to our old times. Just the two of us, Ninin, is how it goes. I mean, you probably have to cut that bit out, but I just felt like singing. Um, it's episode 86 today. We are going to be talking about the unbeaten run or lack of unbeaten run, um, where we are right now. Obviously, one more game to go in La Liga, and we're going to prepare for that. Um, then we've got La Ronda de Preguntas. Thank you to everyone who sent questions in. Apparently, we've got a huge ton. I haven't even managed to read them all, but that's more organized than me and he has. And this is going to be awesome. The Barcelona Podcast 86 starts right here. And I guess, unfortunately, we have to start it on a down note. Barcelona falling to Levante 5-4 to four in the last match day. So, La Grande Pregunta today, Barcelona are no longer unbeaten. Does it matter? And before we try to answer it as a yes-no, because it really is a yes-or-no question, Frances, and I think you and I are on the same page but on different sides of the fence, where for me, I would say it matters a little bit in terms of what I felt like the unbeaten streak meant to me. I think it mattered a little bit. I think it was something to be celebrated. But the big picture that I think you both and I would would agree on is that it doesn't define the season that they didn't make it there. Um, And I think a good place to start with this kind of discussion would be with the Sergio Busquets comments, which where he basically doubled down after the match and said, you know, we're happy with the season we've had. We're happy with the results we were able to get. And it's, it's extremely difficult to win not only just one week in the Liga, but for them, 36 unbeaten run in the 2017-2018 La Liga season. And probably more impressively than that, a 43-game unbeaten streak dating all the way back to last April when they lost to Malaga. And to me, I don't want to overcomplicate things. I think when you don't lose a match in a competition, especially La Liga, in 43 games, I think that says a lot. And no matter how cynical 
we'd like to be or whatever the reasons for that unbeaten streak coming to an end, I think the 43-game unbeaten streak in itself should very, very much be celebrated. Absolutely. Um, I was listening to Catalonia Radio earlier on today, and uh, one of the commentators there said, actually, we have won La Liga unbeaten. It's just once we've won it, the, the last game, we just sort of let ourselves go a little bit. So, you know, you can take that with a positive spin if you wanted to. Um, I do agree. 43 matches unbeaten is tremendous. Um, it is a, a very difficult competition. You know, um, yesterday with the 5-4 defeat in, in Levante, you can clearly see that people that say that La Liga is a two-horse race don't really know what they're talking about. Um, a lot of people I've seen as well disrespecting Levante when actually... For sure, they were horrendous in the first part of the season. But out of the last 10 games, they've won eight and they've drawn the other one and obviously just one defeat in 10 games. So actually, Levante are possibly the most informed team in the whole of La Liga since they got the new manager. And I think we can't underestimate either that out of the first six shots they took on goal against Barca, they scored five. And that is through the roof. I mean... Um, as poor as we were in the first half and you know there are loads of um, things to improve and we're going to dive into them very soon but actually sometimes you just have to give credit to your to your rivals and in this case five goals out of six shots is remarkable and this is a team that is informed so at times you just have to accept that you weren't the better team and I don't think we were in Levante yesterday. Yeah what Paco Lopez has been doing with Levante since basically the new year has really been fantastic where they were fighting at the bottom of the relegation battle with Deportivo and Las Palmas and you know you thought that Deportivo was probably the team that could have gotten above that line and did Levante have enough quality and certainly Barcelona saw firsthand that and a lot of other teams as you mentioned over the last few months have seen that Levante does have the quality and I like that point that you're making that we do a disservice to La Liga because of the superpower that Barcelona and Real Madrid, and including Atletico Madrid, are. But it's not even a credit to what Sevilla's been doing in the Europa League the last few years, or historically what Athletic Bilbao is. And then you start to go farther down, and you talk about how good Real Batiste has been in the second half of the season. And so at times, historically, Real Sociedad has never been relegated. Then you go down and you talk about Girona in their first year in La Liga trying to make top 10. Hadafe are impossible to score on and they like to destroy all the ankles of every opponent. There is still a difficult team regardless of how they get the results of playing. And again, you continue to work down that list. And even when Barcelona had to go to Las Palmas, that was a difficult match for them. And again, I think it does a, a major disservice to the rest of the teams around La Liga to believe that Barcelona and Real Madrid almost deserve to win because the truth of the matter is every single game they go out there regardless of whether or not Messi's on the bench and I think this is a big argument that we've talked about Messi dependence in the past but Barcelona even without Messi are much 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 more talented than 90% of the teams that they face in the Liga but that said that's the whole point that they are these teams that have ebbs and flows throughout the season so if Barcelona regardless of their talent come out and aren't prepared for a match they can lose to any team in La Liga, and that's been proven. But again, the fact is that we are celebrating the fact that they were unbeaten in 31 matches this season to equal the record set by Real Sociedad between 1979 and 1980. Then they just kept on winning, bringing their total for this season to 36, 43 games unbeaten over the course of now a year and a month. 
and obviously no team has ever gone unbeaten. And you said that Catalan Radio had you know mentioned that Barcelona have decided at points and Real Madrid have done the same, that the end of the season doesn't truly matter. And, you know, you look at Atletico Bilbao from the 29-30 season, Real Madrid 31-32, both went unbeaten in just 18 games. So that's another thing that we just want to flush out that, again, the record truly does belong to Barcelona. It's just that it wasn't completely finished and that they don't get that invincible tag. But as we talked about, uh, I think in show episode 77, so actually go back to tvpod.link backslash 77, I kind of listed all the 11 different teams that have gone unbeaten from Europe's biggest teams. And as I said back then, no team in Germany has ever done it. It's a difficult thing to do. It is a difficult thing to do, and we just need to be sure that we appreciate what we have. Um, During the 80s and 90s, obviously, once Johan Cruyff joined us, then sort of our destiny changed, and for the better, um, 15 out of the last 30 ligas have been won by us. But before then, honestly, Barca were... If you in a decade, if you won two ligas, that would be a, considered a good decade because of the Real Madrid dominance. And you know, I think in a way we are spoiled with all the success we've achieved. However, and I just want to say as well that our first half in Levante was horrendous. Um, and not just that, the, the way that we came back to the pitch after the break was just, uh, yeah, the word is terrible. It, it was bordering on embarrassing to be honest as good as Levante were I thought that the team had a complete lack of defensive cohesion um, I really did think that you know the rotation that Valverde tried to put in and you know we've been sort of saying that to Valverde actually you have to rotate well when he has rotated or in this occasion he did um, the, the team was an absolute shambles um, I don't like sort of personalizing any results on one person so when we win I don't really like to say that it's about Messi although a lot of the time it is Yesterday, Jerry Mina was horrendous. You know, he had a match to forget. Um, there were reports in the Catalan press before the weekend saying that Valverde had actually decided to keep Jerry Mina as his fourth centre back going into next season. But you know, he he really was to blame in at least three of the goals um, for poor decision making, lack of strength in challenging, and basically being caught out out of position and it's very likely that Valverde is going to have to rethink whether he actually can trust um, Jerry Mina going into next season based on what we saw yesterday, you know. But at the same time, I don't want to be too harsh on him because um, Vermalen didn't go too much better either. I mean, he, he did get injured once again. Um, his reaction coming out of the um, of the dressing room, he was saying, yeah, I'm okay, I'm okay. But obviously he was more sort of hiding. It was more of a polite, common sense answer rather than saying, no, I'm hurting inside and physically inside as well um it, it, we will have to work out and you know the doctors will have to work out how much time out of football Ferman is going to have to take um it's probably going to affect his World Cup preparation that's for sure and uh we don't really know where we are but you know coming back to Barca the defensive mechanisms during the first 60 to 65 minutes were were terrible were very poor and the thing is we saw this part kind of performance against Roma and we tried to work out what had happened and in the end it's just there were so many things that went wrong that we couldn't actually work out and yesterday in Levante we did see it again and you know that's something that uh, Valverde needs to make sure it doesn't happen again because we, you can have one or two things going wrong but all of that once it, it is a bit worrying obviously we've already won a doblete so you have to put that into context but yeah we need to we need to see what's going on there so we can fix it in the future. 
And I think the whole point that I, I, I strive to say is there were things wrong that you have to analyze and figure out. I mean, for me, Luis Suarez had a supremely troubling game in just his his lack of efficiency. It seemed to me that Usmani Dembele and Luis Suarez had never, ever played together before. There just was a complete lack of cohesion. And Coutinho seemed to be the only one up on the front line up to it. And yet he's a guy that's supposed to be in the midfield next year. So again, there's a lot of things to analyze and look at. But within the scope of one match, I don't want to overanalyze things. And the big picture, I guess Yuri Mina would be the one that I, I want to reference that, you know, the the second that match ended, there were calls for Yuri Mina that, that he doesn't ever have a place at Barcelona. He has to be loaned out, sold, we're done with him, scorched earth policy. And then yet when a guy comes, we always have to say and remember it. And I guess I'll start the campaign for Arthur now that they're coming from the Brazilian league. They're not prepared for La Liga. And there are times when we call for rotation and say, well, we have Yurimina. Where is Yurimina? And then Valverde puts him on the field. He doesn't succeed because, as Valverde was probably correct in assuming, he was not yet ready to defend in La Liga. And that was proven in just one match. And yet that's the end of his time. That in the world of Barcelona, where you need results and things have to happen quickly, we're not patient. We don't give any time for players to get accustomed because the things that he has and the tools that he has, you know, you can see some of that technical ability. You can see that, I mean, he's never going to get less than 6'5". He is 6'5". He's always going to be as tall as he is. And that's always going to be an asset in in the, what he can do with that. But when it comes to his defending, we're not going to give him time to catch up because that means that you're going to have to deal with some lumps and take your bumps like the match against, with, with, Levent, with Levante. And so to, to wrap that all up with the unbeaten streak, I think doesn't matter. The answer was yes, that clearly some of the attendance was up at the Camp Nou and the people in Barcelona clearly cared about it. I think it would have been an extremely good thing and it would have been the thing that defined our season. But again, as you said, Frances, to have the dubleta to define our season isn't the worst thing in the world. I think we still need to recognize that capturing the double and having the unbeaten streak we did of 43 games over a year plus it says a whole lot about the team that they had, the character of the team, the ability to go out on the road, again, facing Real Sociedad. I remember that comeback. To me, that game defines our season, that comeback against Real Sociedad away more than this loss, this one goal loss to Levante. Because again, if Luis Suarez is able to get his header on goal and score in that second half, and it's 5-5, then this conversation isn't happening. So to let one goal define a La Liga season and say, oh, we need to sell Mina, sell everybody that was on the pitch against Levante that lost that match, I think is an overreaction and a knee-jerk reaction that I think us as Barcelona fans, again, that's what the media does when it's a high-profile club. But I think you need to take each individual player coming up over the summer as an individual case. No, I do agree. And, you know, I, I've been saying throughout the weeks that the unbeaten run didn't quite matter. So I'm really not going to change my mind now. I mean, it is clear that the players really wanted that. Um, I think the Piquet, especially when he came on, he really, really was buying into it and he wanted everyone to come along with him. And, you know, he made an impact when he came in and obviously the team improved as a result. But it is a little bit disappointing because it would have been good to to have that tagline. But We've, as you said, we've got the doblete. We need to appreciate what we have. I think the cup is so much more than half full. And we want as much as celebrate all the positive we've got. We've got plenty of them. Obviously, we can't forget the fact that we were 5-1 down to Levante with all due respect. And, all you know, we've already said how strong they've been lately. But, 
you know, it's five goals against Levante in 60 minutes. We have to make sure that doesn't happen again. But uh, the unbeaten streak, it would have been good. But for me, it's more of a cherry on top of the cake than the cake itself. The cake itself is the championship in terms of La Liga and obviously La Copa. And we've got them both. So, yeah, it doesn't really matter that much. And that brings us full circle to the question of, does the unbeaten streak matter now that it's over? And again, my answer is the same as yours. I think it's, yes, it mattered at the time, it mattered to the players. And as I said, I think it mattered to me a little bit more than you because it helps to define and frame a season in the way that Arsenal did in 2003, 2004, um, and, and made it a famous thing, made it a, a really interesting thing to be an invincible. Uh, but as I said, I don't think the legacy of any of the players that Barcelona have is hurt because of this not happening and years down the road I think we're going to forget that there was an unbeaten streak so I guess in that respect I'd have to say you're right that in in the future prosperity and who cares what prosperity has to say so we'll just call it Twitter but I, I think Twitter will quickly forget about Barcelona's unbeaten run but yet any time in the future that a team has won a whole lot in a row in the Liga the first name that's going to come up is well 43 is the number that you've got to try to beat 43 unbeaten streak that's Barcelona's, so good luck trying to reach that. Ready for Laurent de Frances? Vamos. We've got a ton of questions today, and we did our best. As I said, that unbeaten streak discussion was just about the unbeaten streak. We don't want to have any knee-jerk review of the seasons. We're going to be doing a lot of that stuff in the next future episodes. Again, we do two of these a week, so we need some stuff to talk about. So let's start with Christopher. Now that the unbeaten season is officially off the table, should Valverde empty the bench for the final game and play the backups like Denis Suarez, Mina, Paco Acacer, and get a full game chance to evaluate for next season? And I like this, Frances, that I think the idea against Real Sociedad would be to not empty the bench, but certainly play the players and start players that won't be at the World Cup. So I think, again, Paco Acacer, who doesn't look likely for the Spain squad almost at all, Denise Suarez is in the same boat. I think those are definitely guys that start. Again, Mina will probably start for Colombia, but he hasn't played that much this season, so he clearly is lacking some form. He should be getting a start, certainly, in that. Um, and you look down the list, and that's kind of how it's going to be. And for those who say that, should you look at the Barca B, I think we have a question coming up in the future about this. And for those calling for Carlos Alenia, he's actually suspended for yellow card accumulation and won't be playing against Cadiz, which for Barca B, they got a result against Sporting Gijon over the weekend. But unfortunately, Cordoba right in front of them also got a, a miraculous result over the number one team in Segunda A in Rayo Vallecano. And with that happening, that means that Barcelona B need to get the three points against Cadiz and they need things to go their way and Cordoba to lose. They have the goal differential. So with Eleni not even in there, you need all hands on deck. So I don't expect to see a single Barca B player anywhere near the first team for this final match. Again, it's got to be the Denis Suarez, Paco Alcacer. And then you're going to go down the list and say guys who haven't really seen too much, but even Paulinho are guys that are going to be at the World Cup. Barcelona are just loaded with players that are going to play on the biggest stage. Absolutely. I think... Players like Alcácer, Gomez, Alex Vidal, and Denis Suárez, um, I think they should be included in the team. But, you know, it's quite likely that the four, particularly the four that I just mentioned, um, won't be or shouldn't really be in the team next year. Um, I do understand that Denis Suárez has been better lately. But, you know, let's face it, um, Alanya is going to be promoted to the first team. Um, that was confirmed in the, um, not by the official Barca page, obviously, but by all the media um, back in Catalonia. 
And um, in a way, I think it's in his contract even, but you know, we haven't really seen his contract, but it is rumored that it is. And there needs to be a place for him. And I think all the minutes that Denis Suarez has been getting this season, which haven't been many, actually should go to someone who can be here long term and actually make a much greater impact in the long run. Um, so Alanya should be that person. As we spoke about in a previous episode, I think Arthur, which is Artur, interestingly, back in Catalonia, they say Artur, not Arthur. But um, I think we're going to say Arthur in the pot. So I think Arthur should be joining us in the summer um, based on the fact that we need someone to fill Iniesta's void. And I, I know that he's very likely to join us in January, but actually I think the, doing the preseason with the rest of his teammates is going to be crucial. And I think those are the two that should, should join us in the summer. But for the Real Sociedad match, I think the only thing that truly actually does matter with the unbeaten run now gone and nothing much valuable to play for really is to ensure Iniesta starts the game and around the 60th, 65th minute, he gets the standing ovation from everyone in the stadium that he so thoroughly deserves. So that will be exciting. Yeah, that's a good point. And yes, is the only one that truly matters in starting this one and shouldn't play the whole game at all. And we'll figure out whenever he wants to come off the field. I think it's not even up to Valverde. I think whenever Iniesta starts walking over to the sideline and he's decided that that's it for him, that's that's going to be it for him. And uh, that'll be that'll be certainly an emotional moment for us. Well, speaking of an emotional moment, after this result against Levante, both Elliot and Jose asked, what should we do or could do preparing now for a Messi-less future, and of course, the result against Levante without Messi is what got them thinking of that. And I think the way that things change so much from year to year, I don't mean to try to cop out with this answer, but the way things change from year to year, the Barcelona, that the squad that it will be within three years from now is much different than the one that they're going to be dealing with over the summer. So by the time it is time for Messi to leave in still a few years' time, there will be other answers on who's going to have to fill that void. For sure, I think hopefully in three years' time, Dembélé is able to pass the ball properly and not be so stressed as he seems to be now. Um, we saw in the midweek game that Dembélé was tremendous in terms of um, speed, in terms of running at defenders, because he was confident in midweek. He actually went on to score a couple of goals, which were very beneficial, uh, completing his best game of the season. But I think, as you say, it's impossible to predict what's going to happen in three years. But you know, a 23-year-old, confident, established Dembélé is going to be something that rivals will have to really prepare for. Um, if Griezmann does join us this summer, which back in Catalonia everyone gives as a given, he will most likely be an established starter. It is, un- it is very unlikely that um, Luis Suarez is with us still in three years' time. So the team's going to look completely different. Hopefully Alanya can be one of our starters. And we'll just have to wait and see. You know, We've got a 33-year-old Busquets. I don't know if he will still be good enough to start, but that's one of the players. Like Obviously with Iniesta and Xavi already gone, you absolutely don't want to lose Messi. But definitely Busquets either because he gives our team the balance that we so desperately need for for the next century, really. But, you know, players don't last forever. So trying to hypothesize what the team's going to be like in three years is not something we can do right now. But I really do hope that the board um, choose a director that can actually lead us the right way or the sources choose a new board that can lead us the right way and they can make decisions that are actually going to benefit us long-term, not just in the short-term. And, and La Masia, hopefully, will provide lots of starters f- uh, for the three-year period that we're talking about. Michael Miller asks, with an obvious urgency needed for reliable quality center backs, who would you sign, call back, or promote if you could bring two in? 
And that's keeping in mind that Marlon Santos has been at, at Nice in France all season long. And again, he's had mixed results of the reports. Again, I, I can say that I've only seen one or two matches with Nice, and he was neither supremely wonderful in those matches or supremely terrible. At that point, he's probably about at the level where Mina was against Levante or maybe a little bit better. But again, Marlon Santos seems like he may not be in Valverde's plans because he was a, a Luis Enrique get. That said, as far as Barca B center backs go, you have David Costa, who came from Celta de Vigo, and it seems like he's going back. He came in on loan, so he's not in the future plans. And so I don't think that there's a center back waiting in the wings for Barca B with Rodrigo Tarin being the only one. And he's he was frozen out, actually, by Gerard Lopez, and he's finally been brought back now under Pimienta. And so I don't think there's any guys you're going to hear. And so for me, if I had to pick one, we talked about Lenguet before from Sevilla. Seems to be the guy that Barcelona want immediately and is obviously ready to compete at a major team. He plays for Sevilla. He's a starter for Sevilla. And not to say they're not a major team, but to take that one last step up to a team of Barcelona quality, it seems like he's ready to do it. And then Delict, who we talked about before from Ajax, is the other guy who apparently do, his agent has said he wants to leave this summer. Barcelona are looking at him maybe for next summer, and he might not be ready to take that complete jump to be a starter. But as I've said, patience and integration are something that we as Kules need to put at the beginning, at the, at the forefront of our mind, that I say instead of getting Lenguet now and knowing what you're going to get with him exactly, if Delict has the higher ceiling and that's what you truly believe and you think he's a Champions League winning and a La Liga every year winning center back, then bring him in now and give him a year to integrate behind Umtiti and PK because they're not done yet. Absolutely. I was lucky enough to be in Amsterdam three weeks ago for now. I went there with my brother and we got tickets to go and watch Ajax live in the um, Johan Cruyff Arena. Not yet called that, but it will be from the summer, which obviously is a fantastic idea. And the league was tremendous. He was imposing in the air. He was rarely beaten and his positioning was spot on. I think the way that Ajax play, you know, there are many teams in Europe, but Ajax and Barca play a very, very similar style. And his control on the ball was tremendous. He was a little bit like Piquet, to be honest, but obviously I think he's left-footed, if I remember correctly. So that would really add another dimension to our defense. And I really do think that he's ready. He understands how to build from the back and he will be a great addition. He's really young. Um, I understand he's 19 years old. And, you know, if we if he wants to leave this summer, I think we could really sign him this summer um, if we can afford him, obviously, and nurture him in the in the right Barca way. And, you know, if you've got the league in the, in the squad, you've got Untiti and Piquet as starters, and the league can start playing and, and sort of getting more playing time alongside those two. That is a very solid proposal. Um, so the league is absolutely my choice. Mutaf asks, best right back available in the market? And that's for the idea that Sergio Roberto would add quality back in the center of the midfield. And my thinking, Frances, is that there really isn't a right back needed because Semedo, I think, again, against Levante, he had some of his defensive issues as well, but he looks to have the quality to be the starter for... Oops. He looks to have the quality to be the starter for Barcelona. And it's not that that's going to push Sergio Roberto to the center of the midfield, but you need depth. So to have a guy in Roberto who can play at right back, can play at midfield regardless of the time, give him a little more time in midfield, certainly, but then he could, in theory, be the backup to Semedo and a backup in the center of the midfield 
So he's playing almost every match at one of the two positions. And so I think with proper rotation, we don't need a right back to consider just right at the moment. And then even at the B team, we've talked about it before. Sergi Palencia is the captain of the B team. He's going to be 22. He's ready to go. Give him a few runs out there. I mean, you don't have to. He's not becoming the starter, Palencia, but just give him a few matches here and there. Then behind him, even, you have a young Mallorcan born right back who is highly rated in the Spanish Federation in Mateo Mori. And so give him an opportunity in the next coming years and get him a place on the bench, as I've said. Just 10 minutes here or there to integrate those kind of guys into the first team. If they're so highly rated by everybody else in the world, why don't we rate them? For sure, you took the words out of my mouth. Sergi Palencia has to be the sign-in, and sign-in is obviously within inverted commas. Promotion of Palencia should be the solution there. Uh, to be honest, that applies to left-back as well. I think Dinier seems to be um, having an offer from Juventus, interestingly enough, to be joined. Um, if we can get the money back for him, around 20 to 25 million euros for Dinier, that would be tremendous. That's what um, the Catalan press were reporting earlier last week. And I think that should be a fantastic way forward. Um, Cucurella is ready. I think Miranda actually is ready too. So it would be up to Valverde to choose which one of the two is going to be a backup to Jordi Alba. But particularly, you know, and there are many positions at Barca, but particularly left back and right back, sort of full backs either side, is something that La Masia can certainly produce. And we've got, there, well, just there I mentioned three that are ready to rumble. So I think we should trust our own, to be honest. Luke asks, we've won two titles this year and almost played an unbeaten season. What are the main reasons the press and some Kool-Aid summarize this series anything less than stellar and positive? That goes back to the Champions League game in Roma. I think everything coming after Roma has now been affected in terms of the narrative. So losing to Levante wouldn't have mattered nearly as much if they had beaten Roma. This is going to sound very harsh, but I think the fan base is largely spoiled. Um, I think the excellent years under Guardiola and, you know, we didn't play that well under Luis Enrique. Arguably 2015 was fantastic, obviously. But I think the important point to consider here is that the amount of winning we have done in the last 20 years is absolutely exceptional. And if you're worried about losing a game or you're that upset about losing a game after 43 games without losing, then you really do have to look at yourself, really. Um, it's been a fantastic season. Domestic double in the back. Um, losing to Roma, terrible, um, which should not happen again. But then again, that's one or two games, continue the Levante and obviously the Espanol game. So three games in the season that we've lost. That's a fantastic season. In every, it should be in everyone's eyes, really. Roman asks, knowing what we know now, I think it's worth saying the modern professional football season makes it near impossible to go undefeated. But would you be okay with Valverde going for Copa del Rey, La Liga and Champions League? Knowing to do it, you have to use your best available lineup and come up short. Or looking at the unbeaten record as the extra cherry on top. And we did speak about that. And he also said that thinking back to one of our favorite sports teams, or his favorite sports teams, the Golden State Warriors, a few years ago when they went. And this is actually what you and I, Frances, talked about now a few months ago. That when they went for that fewest losses in a regular season, they wound up gassing out. And that was the one year when they didn't win the championship. And LeBron James was finally able to get over that hump in Cleveland. And that's what the modern sports season is. It's a grind. And even in the beautiful weather of Spain... Still, travel is travel. Some of those away fixtures can be difficult, and fans get rowdy. So again, he's kind of miming what we had said, that it's it's an impressive thing to, especially on the road so many times. The fact that it was in Levante, or really in Valencia, where they finally lose, the fact that they didn't lose any time in the Basque country, 
in the last year plus is incredible because that is a hostile environment. Well, in my eyes, we should challenge for every trophy every year, but I think it's obvious, given the experience of the last three or four years, actually, since 2015, actually, um, we need to make sure that in Copa del Rey, we give it a fantastic best goal we possibly can, but our B team plays the vast majority of games. You know, you've had this season, uh, it would have been your Gomez and Vidal and etc. That should have taken us all the way to at least the semifinals. And then from that point on, you play your starters and... You know, they're fresh for every competition. I think if we had done that, then things would have been different in the Champions League. We probably would still be in it. Debdeep asks, when is the next board election? What is the opinion regarding Bartomeu amongst the Sosis? Do they want him to stick around? Is there a chance of a Laporta re-election? Right, so the next presidential election for Barca is in 2021, in the summer of 2021. Uh, Mandates are in my opinion, far too long, the six years, but that was approved by the sources in the last election. So um, if anyone wants to get Bartomeu out and the current board out before that, it's going to have to be a Voda Sansura, which is a motion of no confidence. Um, obviously, Agusti Benedito was very, very close to achieving the required amount of signatures to make that happen earlier this year, around, I think it was September, October this year. And... It was around September and October of this current season. It didn't actually work out. And, you know, we need to remember that the vast majority of sources seem to be happy with Bartomeu and before him, Sandro Rossell were doing. Um, I think that it's fair to say that that is the large sort of vast majority of all the sources that have been in the club for many, many years. I think the younger generations are more eager and prepared to accept change. But, you know, it's a democracy and the vast majority of votes are with Bartomeu at this moment in time. So it is very likely that the board will stay till 2021 because I don't see him quitting um, out of his own accord anytime soon. Gene asked, Barcelona are allegedly prepared to up Griezmann's fee to 115 million euro in order to be on good terms with Atletico Madrid, given the recent tension between the two clubs and Again, that's been in the news as well with Atletico Madrid. Feels like Barcelona are clearly tampering and have already tried to earmark Griezmann for a move that that Atletico Madrid have not agreed to. Now, the question is, is the money better spent on, for instance, bringing Arthur in the summer rather than waiting for the January transfer window? Or is it worth the extra 15 million euro to maintain an amicable relationship with Atletico Madrid? And let me tie that in. Actually, we have another question from Nadal. Why all this interest in Griezmann specifically? Well, because Griezmann is a world-class player um, who knows La Liga very well. He's still fairly young. He's been proven at the international stage, both at club and country level. Um, He's someone who will guarantee a decent amount of goals. He's someone who has got a very good relationship with a lot of players in the Barca dressing room, obviously Untiti and Dembélé because of being friends from the national French team, but obviously Luis Suarez as well. Um, It is worth noting here that Griezmann actually from a very early age, I mean, we can't forget that he's been playing at Real Sociedad from age 16 actually, so he's French, but his relationship has been formed with people from his teams. Uh, He's very, very close to South Americans. I mean, if you watch um, any videos before the game actually starts, Suarez and Messi pretty much in every game, they're drinking mate, which is an Argentinian um, hot drink, 
before the game starts. Griezmann does the very same thing, and that is because of his relationship with Uruguayos, uh, people from, obviously, players from Uruguay, from his time at Real Sociedad, uh, very close with Diego Godin, who is very close with Luis Suarez, obviously, from the uh, Uruguayan national team. And in more than one occasion, actually, there's been pictures of Griezmann posing with a Uruguay shirt himself. So um, the relationship, obviously, is clearly there. Um, Luis Suarez, I think quite clumsily, to be honest, was talking to the press not that long ago saying that, you know, when Griezmann joins the Camp Nou Giants, he's not here to take anyone's place when actually the transfer hasn't even been confirmed. But, you know, you could read between the lines and, and Suarez does give it as a, as a fact, something that's absolutely going to happen. And he's a world-class player. All right, last question of the day. Henry asks, has this coach lost the squad's confidence in him after the Roma fiasco? It certainly looks like it on the field. And I would say no, not yet. I think these coaches are compared to an impossible standard of Pep Guardiola, as we've talked about before. And it was his first year for Valverde, and he clearly got a proper reaction out of a lot of players. You could say he probably got the best out of Paulinho. This is probably Rakitic's best season ever. And there are guys that have performed well all season long for him. He got some of the best out of Messi as well. So I think that even after the Roma, we'll call it, yes, I guess you call it a fiasco. But even after Roma, I think the team is still playing for him and has not tuned him out yet. But they have had moments where they have not begun a match properly. And I think that just might be due to not rotating as much and having to play so many games in a year, potentially again for a large majority of our squad who's preparing for a World Cup. And I think a lot of our players have looked ahead to the World Cup because, again, the double is already done. Probably I'm going to throw a spanner in the works here, but I don't think the current Barca players or the ones that have been, you know, the core of our team, your Busquets and your Piquets and, and, you know, Messi, Iniesta, etc. I don't think they play for the coach. I think they play for themselves. They play because they are winners and they are ambitious. I mean, unless you are made of a special paste, you're not going to go on to win 35 collective titles like Iniesta and Messi have right now. So I think that, of course, there is an element of respect for the coach. But actually, uh, if you hear towards, say, for example, Jordi Alba has been saying all season, the players are absolutely with Valverde. They, they appreciate the fact that he's brought some more... Um, I'm not going to say professionalism, but definitely solidity and togetherness and, and the spirit of collaboration. And, you know, players of this caliber, Messi, starting from Messi all the way to anyone you want to name, like Ter Stegen even, um, they know and they knew last year that they were vulnerable. They knew that they didn't get to the last stage of the season being ready to win and, and fight for every title. And I think they welcomed the approach this season. Of course, it hasn't worked out because... Anything that could have gone wrong in the season seemed to all collate in the same night in Roma. And, you know, that's disappointing and it will forever hurt. But I do think that the players do welcome the professionalism, the strength, the vision and the fact that actually they can no longer play the way they used to play because the players are different. And I think they appreciate what the coach has brought. But players, they're selfish beings. They play for themselves. They play for their families. They play for the salaries and they play to win. So there is an element of both. But absolutely... It's down to the players to be accountable for what they do because that's why they pay so much more money. And this today has only begun our breakdown of the review of the season as Francesca and I also get ready for the World Cup. And that's an exciting thing that we're going to try to do is we're going to try to be covering as many World Cup matches with Barcelona players in it as we can. And again, we'll also review the season. We'll pick some of our favorite matches, some of our 
favorite moments with players, some of our favorite performances, etc., etc. So there's much more to come, even though the season is wrapping up. And so we'll say again, thanks for listening to the Barcelona Podcast. And until next time, we'll talk to you soon. And Barca Barca. Barca. Want greener rewards? Be part of the green gaming evolution at Blue Lake Casino. For every five points earned as a Redwood Rewards Club member, Blue Lake Casino will offset one pound of CO2 by planting trees on your behalf. That's right. You earn points. Blue Lake Casino plants trees. All of your play will support various reforestation efforts. Visit the Redwood Rewards Club today to learn more. More slots, more tables, more green initiatives. Welcome to Blue Lake Casino Hotel.